Right. Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to sit down and chat to amazing humans about their journeys and stories with mental health. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Mark O'Brien to the conversation. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. Good morning, Matt. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, it's lovely to see you. So as always, I'll do a very brief introduction to how we got to this recording. I'll let you do a proper introduction in a moment, Mark, let people know a little bit more about who you are and what you're doing. Um, but Mark and I, and I'll be honest with everybody on this uh, session, uh, I didn't expect to be recording a podcast with Mark at any time. So um, this has been an interesting um, experience for me to sort of, you know, pick up the mantle, go back into the podcast recordings, pick up with Mark, um, catch up. We've, we've known each other for a number of years through the travel industry, um, a past life of mine, and sort of stay connected in some ways. We did talk during COVID and sort of stayed sort of connected through socials and so on. Um, but I'm not going to share anything about your story and what's going to happen in this conversation. And I will let you just do a very brief introduction, Mark, if that's okay. Yeah, no, certainly. And uh, good to see you again, Matt, I have to say. Looking great. Um, so, yeah, I've been in the industry, uh, travel industry now, nearly 35 years. Uh, it's been an industry that's treated me uh, really well. I've been very lucky enough to travel an enormous amount as well. Uh, and when I look back on those memories now, um, you know, I do feel extremely fortunate and very grateful uh, to what the travel industry has provided for me. Um, I think particularly during COVID was a very difficult time. It was kind of a bit of a perfect storm for me uh, during that time where uh, my father died um, during that period. Um, very difficult, obviously, with the, with the funeral and everything else. Uh, I was very close to my dad, too. So uh, uh, that was that was really tough. Um, obviously, you know, companies um, obviously shedding staff left, right and centre. Uh, but it allowed me to set up my own consulting company, which I really enjoyed doing um, at Avenue 5. Uh, where we consult to financial institutions when they're determining investments inside their industry. Um, and then um, I've always enjoyed my sport. Sport's been a, a huge part of my life uh, through the years. Um, you know, I was um, sort of national kind of level swimmer when I was younger. Uh, came into rugby, pretty high level there. Went into karting. Um, a lot of uh, people, who were my friends on LinkedIn, would have karted with me as well. So super enjoyment there. Then I fell into tennis, and I fell into tennis quite late. Uh, but fortunately, again, at a decent level, sort of county, Hertfordshire uh, type of level. And I played all the way up till uh, August uh, 21, I think it was, August 21. And in fact, that was my final tennis match. And that tennis match was actually against the British Army national team uh, to celebrate my club, Rickmansworth Tennis Club, um, our 100-year anniversary. Um, the reason it was my last match, I, I was having a lot of kind of neck problems and uh, also problems during matches laterally um, where my tennis racket would fly out of my hand uh, for, you know, if I was serving or hitting a forehand or, or whatever. Um, I've had a lot of orthopedic work done on my back through the years. So I've probably had four, even five, I think, back surgeries. A lot of my back is held together by titanium. So maybe that was interlinked. So unfortunately, uh, one of my good friends is also my orthopedic surgeon. That's never a good thing that they're a good friend of yours. Uh, and he spent a number of months with me and we decided that we were going to do some neck surgery. And that was in December 2021. And it was quite major. It was kind of two or three level vertebrae um, surgery. About 10 days before uh, the surgery, um, he pulled me in. He went, oh, he said, I'm not happy. He said, I, I just don't think, he said, yes, your neck, you could probably do with some work. He says, but I just don't think it's the root cause. 
So I went, okay, well, what do you think? He went, well, I'd like you to see um, a neurology consultant. So I went, okay. I didn't really understand anything really about neurology. And they kind of leapt into gear really fast as well with, with, with so many different kinds of tests and MRIs, uh, three, I think, nerve conduction tests I had. And I was kind of given a bit of a heads up that the, that the problem was neurological, um, was not actually orthopedic. So finally, on the uh, 17th of March, it was um, last year, St. Patrick's Day, I remember this, um, I was told that I had motor neurone disease. So motor neurone disease, obviously known as MND, a lot of people in the US will know it as ALS as well. So they're all kind of the, the same thing. And for those who don't know MND, it's essentially a disease. Uh, it affects the brain, uh, affects the uh, nerves, and it affects your muscles. And eventually, it will lead to respiratory failure. That's what happens with MND. Um, timelines are really hard to judge. They can say sort of average between sort of two to four years is generally the average. I don't know how long I've had this. There are people who have lived obviously beyond that, but clearly having a Having that um, laid out to me on the 17th of March, I was a bit in a tailspin, to be honest with you, because it is a terminal, obviously, illness. Um, but that wasn't the end. That was probably the, I, I thought that was, you know, I was going to deal with my emotions then. But then they said, listen, you're going to have to go second and third opinion because of the severity of the diagnosis and a series of tests which were performed at uh, the Royal Free in Hampstead uh, National Neurology Centre in Queen Square, London, um, and two other consultant opinions as well. And that took between March last year and Christmas last year, which is a pretty long time. Um, and I'd have to tell you, I was mentally shot to pieces. It was, I've, I've, I've always been pretty strong in both my business and my personal life as well. But being faced with this was just head spin stuff. And I took the decision not to um, tell my children or my family, particularly my mum. There was many reasons for that, which I'll come on to later. It's because I wanted to be sure that it was. Because when you get a terminal illness diagnosis, you know, it takes you a long time to get your head around that one. And then you think, well, they've got it wrong. So there's going to be hope. But that, so that, but that March to Christmas period, the longer the testing went on, and the closer we got to that Christmas period, you know, I was not in a good place. I was in a really bad place. However, when, in some respects, and it sounds a little strange, there was some kind of relief in Christmas last year when I was told, it, I reconfirmed another, uh, I think by another two consultants, Mark, it is 100% uh, motor neurone disease. So I went, okay. Um, I then took the decision um, of when I would share with my children and my family and my closest friends. I've had a few very close friends along for the ride, plus my uncle, who's um, my dad's brother, Eugene is his name, best bloke on the planet, I tell you. Um, my mum was going to New Zealand for four months and she was going out. My mum's a very sprightly, uh, healthy, 81-year-old uh, now, but she was going out to see my sister Amanda and, um, and her grandsons down there. And I knew if I told mum at Christmas, she wouldn't go. And this is probably the final time of her traveling. So I took the decision to go, right, I'm not going to be telling my closest family now. So that was one of the reasons. Second reason was 
my eldest daughter Lauren Lolly, I call her. If I could go, if I call her Lauren, she thinks I'm telling her off. Um, she had been staying with me, and in some way that was brilliant. In another way, there was a huge pressure because I was every letter that came through that I wasn't here, my God, would she see it? And she got her a dream job um, in Cornwall, beautiful part of the world, just outside Falmouth, where uh, she rescues seals and penguins for a living. I mean, what a job that is. I mean, she's a marine biologist anyway, um, and she absolutely loves that. And she was moving down there. And again, it was around this uh, uh, sort of November, Christmas time period. And I thought, I'm not going to tell her because she might not then go for that. And then you, you kind of get a cycle about, well, when is the right time to tell people? And my twins, which are Georgia and, and David, they had their um, 21st in uh, actually March the 19th um, uh, of this year. Uh, and I didn't want anything to interrupt that as well. That's kind of celebration, if you like. Um, but also at the same time, Georgia was going through her, um, her final degree, um, which, you know, They've suffered so much during COVID as far as university shutdowns and everything else. And she works really hard. And, you know, she went through a lot of stuff trying to finish her degree. Um, and that degree announcement, I think it was mid-May. And my son was also, he's not quite in his final year at it. Uh, he's in engineering in Cardiff. Uh, but he was sitting with some important exams as well. So I decided um, mid-May, mid-May to beginning of June of this year was the time that I would then kind of come clean with everything and not hold anything back either. You know, the conversation obviously with my family, particularly my children, was incredibly difficult. Um, in some respects, the conversation with my mum was a little harder because there's a bit of a reality there that, um, you know, I, in most probability, will, uh, she will outlive me. And, you know, for, a, you know, Matt, as a parent yourself and, and many parents who'd be listening, um, that's the worst thing you could possibly hear from one of your children. Um, so a lot of people, they, the family and friends have been brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. They know I'm very independent. I'm not the type of bloke you ring up and go, oh, Mark, how are you? Are you okay? I'm fine. Well, I'm <coughs> not fine, obviously. But if I need you, then I know you're there for me. And that's really important to me for, for being really independent. You know, there will be a time where, a lot of my independence is obviously taken away. But right now, you know, I want to be focusing on positive things. Um, I didn't feel a relief when I told everyone. Everyone says, oh, you must feel much better. I felt terrible because my, my overlying or underlying thought was I've caused a lot of pain to a lot of people. And seeing them, hearing them upset uh, was dreadful for me because I was kind of hiding a secret, if you like. Yeah. It was okay because it was just me and a few friends and my uncle, but now it was out in the open, you know, that, that, and still now that still pains me. I, you know, I know when I visit my mum, which I do quite regularly, I know she's probably in tears after I leave, but, and, but she's trying to put on such a positive front. You know, my youngest daughter, Georgia, you know, she's living here. She's been living here for a time. She's been a tower of support. Um, again, you know, I know she's going to be having her moments away from me. Uh, and the same with Lauren and obviously David as well. So that took a good six, eight weeks yep. just to come down off that. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of my story. Um, uh, that's, you know, it sounds a bit doom and gloom. I mean, luckily I'm still able to work, which is a really good thing because uh, that keeps my mind off stuff. 
Um, but the last point I'll make just on, on, on this is it's it's it, they people ask me to describe it. So you start to lose mobility, if you like, um, particularly um, at, the, at the moment in time, it's down the right side of my body. So my right leg just kind of drag, I drag along. And then my right hand, I can't really use now. But if you gave me 100 kilos, I could probably hold it. If you ask me to press a remote control or turn a key in a lock, I can't do it. Now, eventually, maybe it'll um, spread over to the left side as well. That's where the mobility. But right now, you know, I have a brilliant health team around me, brilliant doctors, brilliant nurses. Um, I have mental health people coming to see me every couple of weeks, whatever, where we can, you know, talk, talk things through that I can't or, or, or I don't feel I want to talk about, you know, perhaps with my family. And they've been really helpful in that respect as well. And my, my, my light bulb moment, if you like, was to go, right, how are we going to make a positive out of this bloody thing? because I'm not going to curl up in a ball. Uh, it's just not me. I, I want to do something positive. I want to do something that uh, inspires, if I can. Um, so maybe I'll pause there for a moment, Matt, because I was on a bit of a roll there. <laughs> well, that was the introduction, Mark, so don't worry. I didn't even ask you to get No, I'm just... <laughs> Sorry. Oh, really, honestly, I, I thank you so much for sharing that. And, and I know you've talked about it a little bit. You know, I only found out about this 31st of July when you put a post out there. That was that was how recently this is. You know, we're recording this sort of mid mid August um, or late August. You know, so so it's only been a few weeks since you know the world at large, I guess, became aware that this was happening and and your experience that you were living through. And 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 I do just want to before we go into the what's coming because I I'm so excited for you and 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 you know energized by what you're thinking positively. I do just want to go backwards if that's okay, just for a minute because. You know, I want to delve just a little bit into that that period of time where you weren't able to talk to anybody or you you chose, you know, very carefully why and you gave your reasons very eloquently. Where were you? In, and I know you said it wasn't easy. Can you describe a little bit more about the mental health? You know, because people would have been around you still, right? So you would have still, I guess, seeing your mom and your kids and everything else. So, so was there any showing of what was really happening or do you think it was all masked really well i don't know i'm just going to throw that at you because obviously this is helping us to understand more about the mental health part yeah that's that's a really good question matt i think it's um obviously mnd um you have behavioral changes anyway yeah. so you can have really bad days um but you can have really good days as well at the same time the trouble is you don't know how you're going to be when you wake up in the morning but like i said you know when you feel a perfect storm coming on you, you know, I've dealt with a lot of storms in my life and I've, I've rocked some brilliant illnesses in my life as well and come through it. But I think I was, I was completely lost within myself. I would put it down. My local doctors here were fantastic because they were terrified on my mental health that something might happen. You know, I've never been a person to think about suicidal uh, thoughts uh, but yeah why not I mean, yeah I did I was I remember my neighbour uh, who, who were brilliant brilliant I mean my both sides of my life, they are fantastic people and I remember um, they literally broke into my house because they heard someone screaming in the garden uh, punching a brick wall wow. and that was and that was me so I, I it was I was just in a I felt like I was in a washing machine that there was just no way out. And I was trying to be strong for my children, for my family, and also my friends. 
but then I had to let off steam in some kind of other way. And I didn't know how to do it because I felt a lot of being taken away from me, particularly from a sport perspective, because I've always used sport as a, I'm not saying I'm, well, actually I'm quite aggressive when I play sport, but, but, you know, competitively and fairly. Um, but I was, yeah, I, I just felt lost to be honest with you, Matt. And, um, did it reach some dangerous points? Yes, it did. Will it reach dangerous points in the future? No, it won't. I, I've, I've come through that area of my life and I feel that whatever comes at me now, I can take it because nothing but nothing will ever replicate telling my children, my mum, about my condition. Um, but yeah, it was, it was lonely. I was very lucky to have some really good people around me who recognise certain things, but uh, but mentally, like I said, it's it's a new thing for me, Matt. I mean, I've yeah. so admired you know the work you do and the raising the awareness of, of, of the importance of mental health and how it's actually it's becoming more challenging as time goes by because life isn't getting easier, right? Um, you know, I kind of powered through stuff, you know, a bit bullish, yeah. but to be hit with something like this that there is nothing I can do about it. You know, I can read every book in the world. I can attend seminars. I can think positive thoughts, etc. Um, but ultimately, there is no cure. No one has ever been cured from uh, from motor neurone disease. Will there be a cure in the future? I really do believe there will be. But I think uh, you know a lot of people now are probably getting to understand MND a little bit more. Um, I just didn't have a clue about it, so yeah. I just overloaded myself with google if you like just trying to understand this thing and then having experts around me like to really help and they really kept a really close eye on me i wasn't hospitalized uh during that period oh, i was for the tests and, and and everything else so uh it was um the darkest place in my life between march and december last year yeah well, I, 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 fascinating thank you for sharing that as well and you know it, it, it's that realization that actually and one, and one thing we we often forget and i talk about this sort of in the work that we do is is the impact of a physical diagnosis to our mental health you know and and it's a, it's a it's a really dangerous thing actually you know in terms of how it's managed if it's not managed well and how easily you can take that information especially when it's limited in your knowledge or an awareness of what it is first which is why you go straight into that search mode i need to search for information i need to know what this is about i need to know which which leads into something i'm really passionate about which is saying look we only ever know what we need to know when we need to know it but wouldn't it be good if we knew stuff before we needed to know it so we were prepared for stuff or at least we had a greater way of supporting ourselves which is why this whole mental health conversation for me is is a proactive one versus a reactive one it should never be when somebody's on the floor struggling it should always be let's talk about it early and and help so it's great to hear you had that support around you mark i'm really really pleased that that was there for you and continuing and and i guess the question that i was thinking when you were saying that was at what point did it change at what point did you sort of let go and say I don't want to be down here now. I want to do something or I want to see it slightly different. Do you know when that happened? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did. Like I said, it, it was weird. Um, sort of end of November, beginning of December, when I was given the reconfirmation of the reconfirmation. Okay. Yeah. And in some respects, I just went, oh, thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. So I, I've always, um, around December time, I've always gone away for a couple of weeks in December and it's just me. Um, I just go away normally to Egypt, get some warmth and to swim and whatever. Yeah. And I went over to my favorite uh, hotel down in Hogada, which is a brilliant uh, seafront and quite warm waters as well. 
And I got there and it was like going home. I was just right. I've got two weeks to get my head together here and kick into gear and get a plan going on about, you know, what I want to do in the future, how I'm going to tell people, how I'm going to share it. And also to understand others' mental health as well. There's one thing me sharing something with someone, but what is the impact on their mental health when they hear it and how can they deal with it, et cetera. So I gave myself a two-week plan down in Egypt and furiously writing stuff down and everything else. And I came back from there much more positive, as in in my head it was a plan. I spoke to the children's mother, uh, named Tiffany, at length, because uh, we're really we're not with each other, but we're, we're very close friends. And she knew from the start as well. And she helped me make decisions as far as the children is concerned. And again, she's been a tower of support as, as well. I was kind of running things past, all right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. She was going, Mike, you just have to do what you need to do. And I'm just taking all these factors kind of into account. So I think there was more, it comes down to acceptance, I think it came down to. Yeah. Of, okay, I have a terminal illness. This is what's going to happen. Um, I can't predict the next day. What I can predict now is if I'm having a bad day, even mentally a bad day, it's okay to have a sofa day. It's okay to just go for a walk for a couple of hours if you if you can do it. Um, not at all now, obviously for me, because uh, I kind of shuffle along a little bit. But it's okay to do those things. It's okay not to feel okay. Just just accept that tomorrow's another day. It's okay not to feel okay for a week, but actually you might have a really positive week the next week. But now it's all about me trying to look at the positive side, but also look back on my life and not being morbid here of how incredibly lucky I've been in terms of my family, in terms of my children, my friends, my sport, my career, uh, which still continues, obviously, um, and yeah. how immensely grateful I am for that. That's incredible. And, you know, taking those that moment to take time to reflect. And, and there's an interesting sort of dynamic in play, which is about grieving, you know, so the grieving process of change. And, you know, once you get to that point of acceptance, it it, it, it does feel like you've wait, you've lifted the weight a little bit or the light has come a little bit better. You know, it's, it's so interesting you said that, Matt. It's one of the terms I learned, um, which I never knew this term before, was something called anticipated grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it particularly helped um, my family and friends to, to, to kind of call that out a little bit, the saying, I'm crying about this, I'm really sad about this, and I'm shocked about this, but you're still here, yeah. and you're still kind of talking normally and everything else. You know, I did stuff about a month ago, it's one of the weirdest things I think I've ever done, and I laughed when I did it. I did something called voice banking. Okay. So, do you know what voice banking is? Have you heard of that? Sort of pre preparing for when you lose your voice. Is that what it's about? So yes. you can have a, a robotic version of your own voice. Yeah, yeah. But th this version, uh, luckily, the MND Association, who are fantastic people, they support families and people living with MND. Yeah. They provided some software, and literally, it sounds like my voice. Yeah, uh, which is fantastic. I had the time of my life doing this thing, and I have no idea why. <laughs> I felt guilty afterwards for laughing, just thinking how bizarre life's journey has taken me on that now I have to prepare to voice bank my voice. Yeah. But I did, back to the anticipated grief thing, I think that really helped a yeah. lot of my family to go, it's okay to feel sad. You are still seeing me. And everyone says, well, you still look really well and whatever, but it's a gradual process. It's not, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and get a message from my daughter or son's or son uh, saying Mark's not here anymore. It's a gradual process over time. We don't know how much time that is. But like I said, 
with whatever time I've got left, I'm going to live it in the best way I can. Right. I, I applaud that. And I think that's absolutely. And, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the timeline or, you know, there is a timeline now and we're all on a timeline. Right. This is a reality. You know, because most of us don't know what the timeline is. And, and, and I think there's now you've got the opportunity to do those positive things. And, and that's where I want to take this to now. And, and thank you for sharing everything you've shared. I really genuinely appreciate it. And I'm sure everybody listening will will understand a little bit more about how it, you know, how it's playing out for you and how things have been. So so thank you. Um, but let's talk about your plans, because now there's an event that's coming up. And I'm I want you to talk about why, how and when and everything else around it. Just give us the, the scoop. Tell us what's going on. Well, this is the point of the conversation, Matt, where I think you you need to tell your viewers that we're having this conversation in the morning because yep. what I'm about to say, people think, surely he's been drinking. Um, <laughs> it's uh, So I've gone back to my kind of first love, if you like. My first love is swimming. That was my first love. Um, and even recovering from all my back surgeries, you know, I kind of did self-physio was the swimming part. Yep. So I've always kind of, when I've had something going on, you know, I've had the water and, you know, water to me is a really big thing. Uh, not just swimming in it, gazing out at it, doing whatever you need to do with water. So it was in uh, just that December in Egypt. I was swimming around. I was thinking, do you know something? I could do a charity swim here. Yeah. So I've done a few charity swims in the past uh, for spinal research, hence with the, with the back surgery. And they've all been a little bit mad. Um, one of them was uh, across the Sea of Galilee um, in Israel. Uh, another one was Alcatraz to San Francisco Harbour. Jeez, I nearly died on that swim. That was horrendous. Um, so I thought, what could I do? And, and what are the reasons for doing what, I, what I'm thinking about? So I've decided uh, to take part in my own event, which will be on the 24th of September, yeah. at a place called Dedham Water Ski Club, which is about 10, 15 minutes from Heathrow, uh, which will be an attempt uh, of the longest open water unaided swim ever done with a person living with MND and for the last kind of three months the Guinness Book of World Records people who have been fantastic yeah. they've been researching this all over the world and trying to put in a sort of classification of disability which yeah. they've found now so the attempt will be um 10.5 kilometers so around 6.7 miles 10 and a half thousand meters in open water I'm, I'm allowed to wear a wetsuit um like i said down at denham and i came up with this crazy idea in december but then it kind of started to build up a little bit yeah. and then i thought about the thought about the motivation for doing it so why am i doing this and there was four or five primary reasons the first one is to raise the awareness of mnd yep i think if i can do something by breaking a world record that's surely going to gather, hopefully, a lot of publicity, media, whatever, that more people will learn about what MND is. Yeah. Secondly, for those who are living with MND, that to give them some kind of hope that when you think it's all impossible, you can find a way to make it possible. I thought that was a really big part of what I'm trying to you know, Some of the MND community, if you like, I mean, I've had messages from all over the world. It's just been, it's been so fantastic because that was primarily what I wanted to do. Third thing, of course, is to raise funds for MND research, uh, MND in the home counties, particularly my home counties of Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire, but we hope to extend that as well uh, once the targets have kind of been reached. I think fourthly and um, penultimately was I'm very close to my children. I've always been close to my children. Um, we have a fantastic relationship together. 
And again, not to sound too morbid, it was kind of one last major life lesson and it was never give up. And, you know, we had a, they framed a, a nice photo of me with a nice uh, story from Dylan. I think it's Dylan Thomas, the poet. Um, do not go quietly into that good night. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a theme going on. Yeah. And lastly was, I need something whilst I still can. Yeah. And it's a hugely long distance. I do have to take oxygen during it, but yeah. I can't stop in the water because then it won't be classified. So, and, and all kinds of, which I won't bore you with about the sort of training regime that I've been going through. Um, it is tough. Is it with my doctor's orders? No, I can't get signed off on it. He's going, yeah, you're, yeah. you're crazy man, crazy man for doing this. But I think my motivations for the five things yeah. I've shared with you just overpower everything uh, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to nail it. Um, yeah. it, it, but it's tough. I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm up to around seven kilometers at the moment. I'll be over eight at the weekend. And then by mid September, I'll get to my kind of nine. That's the marker. You've yeah. done marathons before, you know, you don't run a marathon before a marathon. Yeah. Uh, so I hope I'll get my, uh, yeah. uh, there'll be hopefully a lot of people there supporting, etc. Uh, we're hoping the BBC is going to film it as well, which would be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's for me, it, 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 I, can't, I don't want to call it silver lining because it's not. It, it, it is for all the reasons I've stated, that's what I want to be doing and focus on. And it gives me something to focus on as well. Obviously, I've had my work and that continues, which is brilliant because I can focus on that piece as well. But I can also spend a lot more time for me now. Uh, and in this respect, me is about that swim on the 24th of September. And uh, uh, we'll give it a go, Matt. <clears throat> Well, you'll do more than give it a go, right? You're going to get it done. You are going to get it done. It will be. And I, I have absolute confidence and faith that you will do this. I, I'm just, I, I'm super impressed. I'll tell you for why, because I am not a swimmer. You know, ask me to run. Swimming <laughs> thing to me, I can't think of anything that I couldn't be doing. <laughs> so I have absolute confidence, faith, and um, I'm inspired by your, you know, your, your perspective. And I think that's so powerful. And, you know, we'll drop the links to the, to the, the details of the event into the post for this and everything else. And, you know, just to sort of call out to everybody out there listening, and I hope lots of people listen to this i really do because i think it's been such an insightful inspiring and sort of interesting story and perspective and that's what i love about this is, is just sort of sitting down with with mates or people that i've known for a long time or people who i've never met and just hearing them talking about their journey and their experience and 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 you're trying to put something positive into that which i think is so so powerful mark and and i genuinely do and and like i say for anybody out there listening please do go and check out what mark's up to and you know keep close because you know hopefully i'll have just spoken to somebody that's going to be a world record holder that's uh that's something amazing that, that will be the intention maybe you can invite me back afterwards matt i might not be able to talk uh, yeah definitely i'd love to interesting point i think you know being now really open about things yeah I'm not a completely open type of person. I'm, I'm much more comfortable in my own skin closed. But in so, something clicked inside me to go, if you start to share with others, maybe it will help others as well. Uh, and I've been shocked myself about how much I've shared, even today, yeah. uh, like speaking with you. And a lot of people have said, you know, the post you said, that that's so brave you know, to open yourself up. I don't consider that brave whatsoever. I, I just did what I needed to do. And I know some people can feel perhaps a little uncomfortable with that, being faced with that level of openness, if you like, particularly in, you know, what is quite a sad subject, obviously. Um, 
But again, that's me just going, do you know something? I, I have nothing to lose here. I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. I want to try and help people whilst I still can. And event I can do that I know I can help people. And it's really important to me. No matter what happens, it's it's important to me. I'm going to have my children join me uh, for the last kind of kilometre of the swim and a couple of other people as well. Um, but its own challenges at the same time. You know, if that lake is too cold, I can't do it. Yeah. Because my hand freezes, my leg freezes. Yeah. And also because of MND, you get a lot of cramp. So you've got to learn how to deal with cramp in the water. You've got to learn how to deal with taking on oxygen for a respiratory, et cetera. So I'm feeling this whole swimming malarkey, you know? I, know. I mean, who knew? I've had, who wants to be doing this? I've, I've had swimming burns and everything else going on. So I think, By the way, have you told your children they're swimming with you at the end? Do they know this? I do. My, my, my girls were very happy. My boy was, okay. how far is that then? He's on holiday with his girlfriend at the moment. I went, go and practice, do a half an hour swim, and then you can join me for the last half an hour. So that, they'll that'd be, be oh, that'd be that'd be wonderful as well to finish that with them as well. It that'd, would be. That'd be very poignant, and that'll be that'll be an, that'll be an achievement as well. And they'll celebrate. And they'll remember that, and they'll 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 be yeah made up by it. I'm sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Wow. Where have we been? Eh? Where have we been? And I think this is, you know, sharing your story. I genuinely have to say from my side, you know, I, we spoke about this before. I, you know, I've got some personal investment in MND through through a personal experience with my uncle and, and you know, through our running club last year. Sadly, we lost somebody to MND. I understand it. I, I from from an outsider's perspective, I don't understand it from inside. And I think what you shared today has really helped to to understand a little bit more about the sort of the, the mental health impact of of you know the illness the disease and also sort of what you can do and achieve still and i think there's you know this wonderful guy rob burrows out there who's a big you know he's, do, he's done huge amounts with his with his friend um and and it's just let's keep these positive conversations in frame i really think that as much as you know people might feel uncomfortable and you're right uncomfortable actually is something we need to become more comfortable with because real life isn't comfortable <laughs> you know I, I i beg to sort of argue with anybody to say your life is really comfortable all the time it just isn't the case is it you've explained so many elements of your life that i feel were very uncomfortable especially some of those surgeries definitely would yeah, yeah. link into some of that uncomfortability um but sharing and being open genuinely is the future of what we're trying to achieive it's how do we know more about mental health well we have to talk about it don't we you have to open well, it. well you you for example you know with, with with all the work you're doing with mental health you don't know <laughs> how many hundreds of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people that you may have helped and your guests may have helped as well. But, yeah. but it's not about that. We're talking about trying to inspire others as well. Hopefully yeah. that gives them some help. I'll give you one last story. Um, we, uh, people being very generous on my, on my Just Giving page. Yeah. And um, I've got this weird sum of money sent to me. Uh, from my nephew, 16 years old, down in New Zealand, a guy called Sam. Mm -hmm. And I had to email his mum and go, listen, I think a mistake's been ha uh, happened here. She's emailed me back to win. No, he is strongly out of this and has used his savings. Wasn't the monetary aspect. I was shocked at that. 16-year-old in New Zealand, just gone, no, I want to empty my savings and just give it to you and donate. Seven o'clock, so I recorded a video for it. And then he sent me a video back, which was one of the loveliest videos that I have ever seen. He was so heartfelt and he felt so strongly about what I was doing. And I kind of smiled. And as I was swimming, I was thinking, Do you know, that's why I'm doing this thing. Yeah. I, I'm doing that because it impacts others and they've got a feeling with it. 
And hopefully, and I'm sure, you know, him along with many others, especially my children, they'll go on to do things like this in their futures, no doubt. So that was my last little story on that one. And I think you're an amazing role model, mate. And I really do. And I think that's, you know, people see it. You're right. You know, when we we talk about it openly like this, people see it and it, it may only be one person, right? But if that one person gets something from that and they feel that there's hope or there's something, you know, we talk about hope a lot in mental health and, you know, it's a really important aspect of, of how we lead our lives. You know, if we give up hope, we've lost it all, right? That's the reality. Keep hoping, you know, seriously, mate, I'm so thank thankful, grateful for you to, to come on and talk to me about this. I know when I saw your post, the first thing was, oh my God, I could do a podcast or we could do a podcast. I think you said it actually. Um, and as soon as I see somebody say, do you want to record something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get this going. Um, but thank you. Um, I would just pass the mic to you for one final thought. If you've got any final message you want to share or send, I'll pass that over to you. Thank you. Um, well, firstly, thank you for the opportunity for doing this. Again, ra raising that awareness is really important and this will help that uh, 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 as well. I think I'd come back maybe to, to something I said earlier was even if you think it's impossible, you know, it can be possible. You can find a way. You know, a lot of viewers that will see this will have lost loved ones, will be going through their own difficulties, physical and mental. Maybe it's themselves or maybe with their families, etc. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who lost their parents, you know, just after they were born. You know, it's I've just been really fortunate. And I think, again, it's that as well. I know we talk about being grateful for things, but, you know, don't try and rush through life. You know, when I, I took my children uh, on a very poignant trip last August to replicate the first trip I ever did. Um, I took them to Athens and a little island called Poros, stayed in the same hotels did the same journey by boat etc and i remember walking with them and going i was walking so much slower and just going enjoy this moment live in this moment because tomorrow is never promised and that's a wonderful way to finish this episode um you're absolutely right and i and i live and you know live by that thought as well you know we, we've got to live today right this is it um mark thank you so much all the very best with the swim good luck um i take it you're wearing armbands because i would be um or, <laughs> i know you said you were in a wetsuit maybe you're beyond the armbands i definitely <laughs> um but mate honestly i wish you all the very best with that i'm i'm going to be watching i'm going to be you know keeping an eye out to see how things progress for you um but yeah thank you so much i really appreciate it look after yourself and uh and good luck you're very welcome matt thank you very much you're welcome